believe that if people could see us doing it, like we're not rocket scientists, we're not dog behaviorists, we're just normal people doing the best that we can. If people could see us doing it all the time, then they would believe that they could do it for a week at a time or two weeks at a time. That's what mattered to me because this all comes back to a base philosophy of no matter how long our pets are with us, it's never long enough. Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 154. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for anyone interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere that you want to work from. Today's episode, I'm interviewing Amy from GoPetFriendly.com, who we recently met in Forest City, Iowa at Winnebago's RV Rally, the first RV official rally we've ever been to. And they have a really fascinating story. Almost 10 years ago, Amy and Rod took a road trip with their newly found dogs that they had rescued. And while they were on that road trip, they realized there wasn't a real resource online for them to be able to find all the great places that they could take their dogs, what restaurants allowed you to bring pets, what hotels were pet-friendly, campgrounds, etc. And after digging around online for a while, Amy ultimately decided to build it herself. And like most entrepreneurs, she realized there was a huge need that wasn't being met and she could build that thing. So even with a background as a CPA, she dug in, decided to start this website, call it Go Pet Friendly and promptly sat behind her desk for a little while, cranking out articles, building a database, until ultimately one day her husband challenged her and said, it's hard to build a road tripping website for pets when you're sitting behind a desk. So a little more than eight years ago, they bought an RV, hit the road, started full-timing, and haven't looked back since. They still travel with their dogs, running Go Pet Friendly, and have turned it into one of the biggest road tripping pet websites that exist today. So if you're planning a road trip, they have road tripping tools, thousands of articles, points of interest, and places that you can successfully take your pet. And that's huge because most people in RVs or traveling in cars want to be able to take their best friends along with them. Uh, And so Go Pet Friendly allows them to do that. A few things that we dig into in this episode is how to start a database-driven website with listings and mapping features Instead of starting off with just a blog, stories and resources, we've covered a lot of people on this podcast who started a blog, maybe monetized it, built products and services on top of that. Amy did the opposite. She Her flagship product as part of her website is this database that she has built with these listings, uh, campgrounds, hotels, restaurants, everything that you can imagine where you might want to take your pet, you want to get more information. She started by building this, which took pulling together tons of different resources in person. So we talk about how to actually go about building a massive database like that. We also talk about how Amy has built some amazing long-term partnerships with some of the biggest brands in her industry and how to not just focus on starting kind of a one-off blog or something like that, but actually how to go about intentionally building a really professional brand, even if it's just one or two people behind it, doesn't really matter. Uh, Go Pet Friendly has established itself. And if you look at their website and you look at the way they just present themselves, it is a uber professional brand. And there's been a lot of positive things that have come from that. The brands that have wanted to work with her, the opportunities that she's been able to get out there, such as her recent book and a lot more. And one thing that I personally took from this episode is just a reminder to always focus on providing value whenever I'm about to enter into any relationship business-wise. And I guess it obviously works personal-wise, always thinking about providing value there too. But she just kind of breaks down how she's approached every single relationship that they have entered into, whether that's a sponsorship, 
advertising deal, promotion, whatever with GoPetFriendly. And I think for me, that was the big thing I took away from this episode is just to always be thinking about how can you serve this person that you're about to enter into? It's always easy to think about what do we want to get out of it and kind of craft the whole picture on that. But it doesn't lead to success because people aren't happy with that. Uh, and so I think that's just always a good thing to be thinking of and thoughtful of. Before getting into today's episode, I just want to take a quick moment and thank today's sponsor, the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting down with other people and sharing the stories, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they liked, the things they didn't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Amy. Amy and her husband, Rod, run the award-winning pet travel website, gopetfriendly.com, the one-stop resource for locating dog-friendly hotels, restaurants, beaches, campgrounds, and much more. With detailed pet policies and a road trip planner that has been referred to as the map quest of Pet Friendly, Go Pet Friendly makes it easy to plan a road trip with the entire family. You guys have been featured in a lot of really cool places like the Today Show's website, Chicago Tribune, and much more. Amy, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we were hanging out recently at GNR during a crazy thunderstorm. We were actually taking shelter <laughs> and we were, we, yes. were all, we were all kind of talking about like how long we've been on the road. And Alyssa and I were like, I think Kenny and Sabrina there, uh, some of our friends, they were like, oh, we've been on the road for a year. And then we were like, somebody else said how long they've been on the road. And we were like, oh, four years. You guys were like, we take the cake, guys. Eight <laughs> years or is it nine years? Almost nine now. Almost nine. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So back in, so I guess let's start at the beginning of how, where this all started. It's back in 2009. Uh, and I know based off of our conversation and some research on this website, you guys are planning a road trip to Canada with your new German Shepherd that you guys had picked up and realized there was yeah. just like a huge lack of resources for planning uh, road trips with pets. And so you decided to fix that. Right, exactly. So we were on the road for three and a half weeks, and Rod was stuck in the car with me as I lamented. I would say lamented. He would probably say complaint about how difficult it was to travel uh, with pets and be able to find not only places to stay, because even back in 2008, 2009, you could, you, there were some pet-friendly um, websites out there where you could find pet-friendly hotels. But it was everything else. It was the restaurants and the parks and the beaches and, you know, fun things to do with them. Once you had them out, you know, I don't know what people imagined. You were just going to go sit in your hotel room and eat takeout for your entire vacation and, and maybe hit the local dog park. And that was supposed to be a fun trip for everybody. So as I, you know, I got pretty passionate about it and I think probably just to shut me up because it was three and a half weeks in a small space with two dogs. <laughs> um, Rod said, you know what, when we get home, do some more research. And if you really can't find anything that's really bringing all the pieces together, we'll talk about building it. And that's how Go Pet Friendly got started. I love it. Alyssa and I have a kind of a rule of thumb in our marriage that we're not allowed to complain about something unless we're actually doing something to fix it. And it kind of sounds like you guys maybe even live by a similar realm like you're just complaining this whole time he's like okay well if there's anything out there do something exactly exactly and it was kind of one of those moments and people have said to me well how did you come up with the idea for this and i was like 
it was a pain point in my life. I was, and it was something that was really meant something to me. And so people say, well, how do you come up with an idea like go pet friendly? And I was like, I just had to pay attention to what was causing me the most pain <laughs> and, that's, and then find a way to fix it. And so that's really, that's really what we did. And so where do you, where do you go from there? So there, there obviously needs to be a better resource out there for planning road trips and visiting new places with your pets. Can you take them to this park, hotel, uh, what restaurants are friendly? But I'm, I'm presuming that that's a massive task to think about. We're going to go travel North America and just basically document because that's essentially what you're talking about doing is creating tons and tons and tons of points of interest and in, in, in um, places that you can go. And I know because I'm in the middle of a three month trip where we're literally building trip content for a trip planner for people to like go out and do similar stuff. So I can only imagine like how, like how did you figure out where is the best place to start with this resource? Well, we we started as a. We, we, you have to kind of take a step back and remember, Rod and I are CPAs. We're we're like accountants, so we we you know we're not these like wildly creative people. We kind of like you know imagine things in Excel spreadsheet format. <laughs> so um, so what we originally start the idea that we originally started with was that we were just going to build the database. It was just going to be a database of pet-friendly things, all the things, so that people would be able to utilize the database and be able to plan trips with their pets. And so we started building that. And that in itself is a massive task. I mean, there are more than 65,000 points uh, on the database now. So, And that's constantly growing. It's a, you know, we... Um, have a database manager who's constantly adding and updating things, but also it's crowdsourced. So as people travel around, they can add a listing to the website um, if if they find a place that's not already on there. So so that's always growing, and that the database itself is a big deal. When we were almost ready to launch just the database part of things, uh, Rod and I were out to coffee one day, and he said to me, you know you can't really tell people how easy it is to travel with their pets if you're sitting in your office in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I was just like, like if you had seen my face, I just like blanched. I, I could feel myself like all the blood running out of my face. And I just sat there looking at him like, what does that even mean? What do you, what are you proposing? What are you, what is and I don't think he thought about it either because I, you know, it was about three months later I had sold our house and bought us an RV. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, whoa, you know, that was, that was probably, he said from now on, he'll completely think things through before he mentions them to me. But we kind of thought, you know, once we talked about it, we're like, you know, he, you're really right. We can't just sit back and, you know, we will build it. They will come kind of a thing. We've got to get out there and show people that you can act. This is doable. You know, we've got two dogs. Neither are perfectly behaved dogs. They both have their issues and they're not little dogs. We travel with a German Shepherd and a Sharpay. So, you know, we're traveling with dogs that are that are bigger size. You're not just going to stick them in your pocketbook and take them, you know, where you want to go. So there, we have those challenges. But if we believe that if people could see us doing it, like we're not rocket scientists, we're not dog behaviorists, we're just normal people doing the best that we can, if people could see us doing it all the time, then they would believe that they could do it for a week at a time or two weeks at a time. That's what mattered to me because this all comes back to a base philosophy of no matter how long our pets are with us, it's never long enough. But the memories that we make together last forever. 
So my kind of guiding principle here is to help people make memories with their pets. And that's sort of how the blog got going because we were like, well, we can get out there. We can show people. We can show them that we can do it. We can help them learn by teaching them the things that we're learning. And then we can take them to these places and make the blog feel, let them feel like they're there too so that they can imagine what it would be like to be there. They've got a few little tips of some things to do, some places to stay a place or two to eat, it gives them enough self-confidence to kind of like take the leap and say, okay, if Amy and Rod can do this, I can do it too. I love that. And and you're coming from a place of authenticity, right? Like you're coming from a place of like, we're out on the road, we're doing this. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times you might see websites that are, somebody is obviously just really good at SEO. And so they've just like <laughs> SEO the mess out of a website about like, pet friendly attractions and there's like no about page because it's a CPA sitting in her office, you know, just like, crank. <laughs> go ahead. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And that's what I didn't want it to be. And little did I know when we were planning all of this, what a great life I was building for us because that's what we, now we, that's what we get to do. We get to go out and do these amazing things with our dogs. Ty and Buster have been in every one of the lower 48 states at least twice. So, you know, we've got, we've been able to collect all of these memories with our dogs. Ty is actually turning 14, turned 14 today. So, um, and Buster's 11. And so now our boys are getting to the point where they're not able to do the kinds of things that we have been doing all of these years. And now I'm so grateful for the, you know, having the, all of those experiences with them. It means a lot now that they're starting to slow down some. Totally. So going back to starting GoPet Friendly, you started with a database and to kind of decompress that a little bit, what did that actually look like to start creating the database? Was the idea just finding websites and, you know, sometimes you can maybe find like bulk CSVs or data that you can buy and starting compiling it on your own of places that are potentially pet friendly? Does that look like pulling up Google listings? Like what does it actually look like to compile 60,000 points of interest? All of that. It was all of that. It was, you know, searching out websites that had, you know, listings for, you know, uh, Saratoga Springs, New York has a great website maybe for what, you know, what they have that's pet friendly in their area. So you go to that website and you, and you add those things to the database and you go, you know, you just kind of, you, you just sort of, we just scoured the web looking for articles on different dog, you know, new dog parks being built in, you know, such and such a town. So we would add that to the database and it was just a, a massive data collection effort. And we put it, I put it all into, we put it all into Excel spreadsheets so that the programmers, cause I'm not a programmer. Um, so the programmers could upload all of that information onto the, onto the website. Wow. And how long before was it before people started like coming to go pet friendly to take in the content? Because to a certain extent, like it sounds like all of this information to get started was already out there in some form or fashion, but you were essentially saying like by compiling it all onto our website with the centralized focus, you know, we're going to outrank and pr ultimately provide more value in the long run than having it be scattered. Right. Because when I was planning trips, when we first started traveling with, with Ty and Buster, it was, you had to go to like each city's website to see what you could find in that city rather than ha going to one website and having information for all the cities. So if you were doing a road trip and you're going for two weeks and you're going to be in 
14 different places, for example, um, you know, you'd have to go to 14 different websites to see what, what there might be that was pet friendly. So, yeah, so having it all in one place was just really meant for the convenience of the users, um, be, having them be able to even do now, like with our road trip planner, if you're planning a road trip, it'll map your route and then it'll find all the pet friendly things along the way. So you don't have to go and search in each city that you'll be passing through. The website all automatically does that for you as long as you put in your route. So those are like just just trying to make it easier for people. That's That was really the goal. There's so much value in defragmenting a market. I, I we've, we've kind of seen this a lot with campground booking and what we've been working on with our booking software is like right now, everyone kind of uses their own software and we're basically trying to integrate with everyone, pull together all that content into one place and play nice so that ultimately in the long run, people can just go to one place and book, even though there might be touching lots of other software. So I, it's kind of interesting to think about like how many business opportunities are out there from just pulling together collective inter information that currently people are having to go to a lot of different places to find. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody's busy. It, it's, you know, the time, every, nobody has time for, you know, to go and search all those different places. So being able to bring all that information into one spot, for me, the passion of it isn't so much about saving people time. For me, the passion is if I can make it easy enough, people will take their pets along with them rather than taking them to a boarding facility or calling a pet sitter. So that's that's what drives me. But the basis of what you're saying is exactly correct. By me saving them time, I can get them to take their pet with them. Everybody has, you know, there's hundreds of opportunities out there for, for other passions to come up with a way to make their passion work for other people. So you guys were CPAs by trade. And you start this website, go pet friendly, start compiling data. Uh, I guess there's a couple questions I have. The first one is like, what what made you, and, and I don't want this to come off wrong, like what made you think I can do this? Like I can write content. Like, I mean, did you have a background in that? Like you were just like, I can, I can do this. Well, I, I have a really solid background in Excel spreadsheets, like I said. So, you know, I knew I could put a yeah. lot of data into a, an Excel spreadsheet. I knew I could excel at that. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I don't, I guess I've always just been kind of like, what have we got to lose? Mm. You know, I'm going to spend some time sticking information into an Excel spreadsheet. We're going to pay somebody to build a website. Yeah. So we would have that investment to, to lose potentially. I've always just kind of had that sort of, let's just give it a try attitude and, and sort of see what happens. And Rod and I did look at each other and say, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Let's imagine, let's sit down here because, you know, you want to be a little bit cautious and you don't want to just, you know, throw everything to the wind. We had a house, we had a, a vacation property. We, you know, we, we were talking about selling all these things and moving into an RV, which is our friends did think we had lost it. <laughs> so, but we looked at each other and we said, really, what, what have we got to lose? I mean, ultimately, if it comes down to it, we can go get jobs or we can start up an, another business doing what we were doing before. And we were lucky enough that Rod was able to actually take the business that we had built and change it a little bit, turn it a little bit, pivot a little bit so that he could run it from the RV. And he still does that. So I run Go Pet Friendly and he runs his own consulting business, which he's a business appraiser and a business coach. But he's able now to do that from the RV. It was something that we had never really considered before. But once we started thinking about it, we're like, well, there's, you know, there's really no reason. We were already running our own business. We were running it from our home. I just left that business and Rod, 
you know, took over all of the parts of it. And I went over here and started a different business that we could also run from our home. And then, you know, if you can work from home, you can work from an RV. That's a short hop. I mean, you're a CPA. So looking at, I guess, the numbers, one thing that I've talked to a lot of guests about and we've kind of talked about on the podcast has just been this idea of runway, thinking about financial runway. So you've got savings before you hit the road or savings for a business and you hit the end of that runway, you either like go home or, um, you know, close the business or et cetera. So thinking about go pet friendly, how were you making the numbers work or thinking about that? Were you, did you have like a timeline of say, I'm going to work on this for two, three years or 18 months. And you know, if it's not at this level of traction by traffic or like, what did that look like? How were you going to monetize Go Pet Friendly? So the idea has always been that that the website would be completely free for the users. I didn't want to be a roadblock between the people who were planning trips with their pets and the businesses who were hopefully making that easy for them. The plan ha- has always been to monetize via advertising. So to offer upgraded listings on the website for the you know hotels and the campgrounds and so forth so that they would get better exposure in the search results and also on the road trip planner. And then putting ads on the blog is the other way that we've we've decided to monetize. And we, you know, honestly... I, I guess it probably sounds nuts, but we didn't have like a hard and fast rule. Like, okay, we're going to work on this for X amount of time. And if we're not here, then we're done. It's always been more of a gut feel for Rod and I about, okay, where are we? Are we making progress? Is this fee, you know, is this next step feasible? How much is it going to take to get there? And then are we in? Because it's a team effort. We're married and we're in this thing together. And so it has to be a team effort. So both of us have to be in. So that's sort of how we, we've never really put like a moratorium on that said, okay, if it's not X in this amount of time, we're done. When we first started out, right, it was a little bit less scary because we didn't say, okay, we're just going to go live in the RV indefinitely and see how things go. We, I guess maybe just to even wrap our own heads around it, we said, we're going to go on safari for a new place to live, which I think a lot of people do when yeah, they move into an RV. That's Yeah, <laughs> you that's what you tell it. yourself. <laughs> exactly. You tell yourself that because it's too scary to think about, you know, the alternative. And Makes so, your friends think you're less crazy too. Exactly. It does help a little bit with convincing your friends that you're not nuts. So we knew we didn't want to live where we were living anymore. So we, you know, we were willing to sell that house and take that money and put that into our savings account. And then we thought, well, we'll spend a couple of years. We'll just go out and see the country and we'll figure out a new place to live. And after three and a half years, we looked at each other and we're like, why would we want to have a house again? Remind, <laughs> remind me why that sounded like a good idea. I can't, for the life of me, I can't think about why we would have wanted to stay in one place for the rest of our lives. So, you know, for us, the the traveling lifestyle became addictive and we loved it. And building this content with Ty and Buster and for Go Pet Friendly was a lot easier if we were moving around all the time. So it really fed the blog, you know, being able to travel all the time really made it easy. After three and a half years, we traded in our little RV, our little 24 footer, and we bought a a 37 foot class A motorhome and we have no plans of leaving it. We loaded it up with solar this spring and um, upgraded our internet access. And so we've got, um, we've got it all tricked out now, just the way we want it. I love it. So, I mean, you, you also have a insanely awesome wrap job on your RV that makes you guys very noticeable wherever you go. <laughs> it's true. We're like a moving billboard for Go Pet Friendly, but we figured we're we're camping, you know, every night in a in a pet friendly campground, and so why not 
put some advertising on the RV <laughs> so that people know. Otherwise, we're just we just look like every other motorhome in the in the campground. So, you know, if you're going to be in a pet friendly place in front of your market, you know, 365 days a year, you might as well let them know you're there. So, yeah, we we had the RV wrapped um, in Go Pet Friendly graphics so that it is very obvious who we are. <laughs> Has its pluses and minuses. <laughs> what have been some of the pluses and minuses? I think you, you talked about one negative was that you guys will randomly have people come knock on your door and ask if you do pet grooming. <laughs> yes. Yes. Eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, we've had people knocking on the door with their dog under their arm being like, okay, we're, when do you start grooming dogs? I'm like, we don't even groom our own dogs. You know, we barely bathe our own dogs. No. So, so that's been one of the drawbacks is that I think people don't, they see what they want to see. They don't necessarily see what's there. So if they're looking for a dog groomer and they see our bus with a dog on the side of it, they imagine that we're dog groomers because that's what they want to see. So there's that part of it. But, but on the other hand, we've had a lot of, met a lot of people, a lot of wonderful people have asked. So what is Go Pet Friendly? What's this about? What, you know, what's your RV about? And met some really great people and, you know, people who continue to follow the blog to this day. Yeah, I noticed that with uh, when we had our first rig like four years ago, it was an old beater. Like, it was, and we had like a Hourly America logo, which was our documentary and road trip that we were doing our first year. And we would see people pull up beside us in like Walmart parking lot, and you could just see them looking at the logo. And they were obviously googling on their phone and to you know like look at what it was. And occasionally we would have people you know kind of walk up to us and and ask about it and things like that. And it, it does seem like the people who kind of meet you and get that in person interaction like they are going to be super fans for the long term, right? Right. It, they absolutely are. And it's the best part is when people see the bus and already know about Go Pet Friendly. So then they're then they're like they're meeting celebrities because they've they've been on the website and or they follow the blog and then they see the bus. And so they bring their dogs up and they get their dog's picture taken with in front of the <laughs> RV and then they post it on Facebook or you know, it's it's that part is actually like the recognition part, that's one of my favorite parts about it is is having people come up and do and do those things. <laughs> Are you and cool. Rod the celebrities or Ty and Buster the oh, celebrities? No. Oh yeah, no. Rod and I <laughs> nobody cares about Rod and I. Nobody cares about us. It's all about Ty and Buster. The adventures that people are following, they're following Ty and Buster's adventures. It's not Amy and Rod's adventures. <laughs> I love it. Going back to you guys hit the road. And uh, Rod transitioned the CPA clients and coaching business to being on the road. And you're doing Go Pet Friendly, creating content, um, helpful resources for people playing in road trips with dogs. And you didn't, like you said, you didn't really have any hard and fast success metrics. Like we need 100,000 visitors by this month or we're going to, we got to pack it in. So I guess the question I would have is like, what caused you to want to keep pushing forward? Because I, I, you know, there's a lot of people who want to create a, you know, say a podcast or YouTube channel or a blog, but it ultimately requires you to maybe do something for two to three years that may or may not bring in a dime. And you spend just as much, if not probably more time working on it. And I found when talking with people who come from a B2B background, where you can go out and get a client in one day, that's going to pay you your day rate and do it well. Some sometimes people in those roles struggle with creating content for one, two years with no return. Does that make sense? So I'm, I guess I'm yes, just kind of curious. Yes, it totally does. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And 
I think for me, it probably I probably would have run out of patience for it before it started to make money if it wasn't giving us such a great lifestyle. You know, it was when Rod and I imagined before we started Go Pet Friendly, even before we found Buster, we would play the lottery, but only when we considered it to be a job quitter. So if we were going to win the lottery, we didn't want to, we figured we would only probably win it once in our lifetime and we didn't want to waste it if we were only going to win it once on a prize that wasn't a job quitter, what we considered a job quitter. So we had, you know, kind of done the quick math and figured out what we thought the prize would have to be for us to be able to live on that amount of money for the rest of our lives. When we started to think think about these things, we said, well, well, if we did win the lottery and it was a job quitter, what would we do? What would we want to do? And we both decided we'd want to travel with our dogs. That was our number one, th- well, that's the number one thing that both of us wanted to do. And so the next step then was kind of seeing, coming to this realization, finding Buster, coming to this realization that we can do that. We can live the life that we dreamed about without winning the lottery. If Rod continued to do go to do his business and I built Go Pet Friendly, we could have that life. And so for us, it's always been more about the lifestyle than the, so for everybody measures success differently. And so for some people, it's a certain amount of money in the bank or some people it's, a you know, buying that car or some people, you know, but for Rod and I, it's always been about, are we doing what we want to do? Is this, are we living the way we want to live? If, if we're living the way we want to live and doing the things that we want to do, it's not for us about collecting things. It's always been about collecting experiences. And so we're, we're able to do that. Um, and we're being able to share that with a whole nother community of people who want to travel with their pets. And so that even adds more to it um, for us. It's more rewarding for us to be able to share all of that information with other people. So when we look at that, that's sort of how we measure our success. So it's different people have different metrics. Ours is sort of like a, it's not what you probably would expect from two accountants to say, this is how we measure our success. <laughs> Are we living the life that we want to live? But that's, it's sort of what's, I guess, maybe what's attracted Rod and I together and, and given us the you know ability to do these things together is that we have that in common. Yeah, totally. No, I, I love that. That's a great, I mean, actually you stole my last question that I usually ask on the, on the podcast, which is how do you define success on the road? So I'm not going to have to ask that today because (laughs) you already, you already answered it. But, uh, one thing that I I've noticed about you guys in our limited interactions and just looking at your site and everything you guys have done is that you just run an extremely professional operation and like a really high quality brand you know, like you could look at Go Prep Friendly and think that you guys are like a subsidiary of, I don't know, name a big pet brand, you know, whoever, you know, like looking right. at your site that you're not just, you know, running it from your RV. And and so I guess my question is what kind of intentionality went into building Go Pet Friendly as not just like a, we're going to treat this as a blog and document our travels and also maybe do some how to's for pets, but actually thinking of it as this ultimate resource for people who are planning their road trips with pets? I think when I was thinking about the branding and where we would take Go Pet Friendly and how we would eventually monetize it, part of what I was imagining was that we would partner with the big pet brands, some of the big pet brands. And so I needed to position us so that we would be able to have those relationships. For example, we're part, we're partners with um, Winnebago. Not to walk into Winnebago and be like, okay, here's my little blog and you know this is what we do, but to say, we're Go Pet Friendly. This is, we have this 
brand. This is this is what we're known for. We're the best in our space. That's what I wanted to be able to say to you know to present go pet friendly in that way. And I think it served us well. We've had we've worked with some big brands for for such a small company as we are because we've taken a very professional approach because we've of certain decisions that we've made about passing up certain ways of making money. For example, I don't do sponsored posts on the blog. If you want to be on the blog, if you want to be talked about on the blog, we have to have some sort of a partnership going on. It's not a one-off kind of thing. So I'm passing up on some of that revenue in an effort to position the brand as more exclusive. You've got to, you've got to, we've got to be working together for for you to get that kind of promotion on the Go Pet Friendly blog. It has to be more of a long-term thing. So coming from out of the accounting world and sort of understanding, and I was a business appraiser too, when I was when I was doing accounting, Rod and I valued other people's businesses. So we got a lot of insight into how other people were branding, doing their branding. And, and I just kind of wanted to put us in that cream of the crop sort of niche. So we, we've tried to make decisions along the way that would put us in that position. And, and I appreciate you for thinking that we're doing, we're doing well in that. I mean, talking about that, I, I've noticed that you guys have done that really well. So you do have advertising on the website through, I guess, literal ads. And it makes sense passing up on some of those like cheaper, you know, I'm sure you guys probably get hit up 20 times a day for, can we throw the sponsored post? It's like a templated email. Obviously, you know, they're not taking the time to thoughtfully reach out and build a relationship with you guys. So why would you hand over trust from your hard-earned readers? It just doesn't make sense at all. So thinking about approaching partners, how have you guys kind of structured, you don't have to go into specifics, but I guess for other people that are building either a brand or a blog, a YouTube channel, whatever, what's kind of been the mentality of approaching partners? Like, what what are you trying to get out of it? What are they trying to get out of it? How have you structured some of that, if that makes sense? Yeah, it sure does. Um, I, I always approach that proposition from a, I, I need to make it a win-win and I, I need to make it really clear that it's a win-win. So I talk about the things that I'm able to do, graphics on the RV, ads on the website and the blog. Um, last year we did this road trip. We visited the number one pet friendly attraction in each of the lower 48 states. Along the way, we met up and did 17 events with local animal rescues and um, shelters. So we were drawing in the local community to come to these events. And as part of that, we had sponsors of the road trip that were we were giving away their products at these events. So it was great for the community. It was great for the people who came because we got pets adopted from the, from the local shelters. The people who came actually got prizes because we were giving away these these um, baskets of, of goodies. And all the businesses that were sponsoring the trip got in front of these local people in association with go pet friendly so because of the strong brand that we've built and because of the strong relationship that we've built for example you know to a pet food company and say you're the kind of company that i want to work with we're going to go do this road trip here's what i've built here's the reputation i have will you come and do this with us and i what i want in exchange for for it is financial support I need financial support. Last year, I needed financial support for the road trip. But they're willing to do that because of what we've already, you know, because of what we've been building and the, and the position that we've put ourselves in. And we're very careful about the businesses that we work with. I We don't, ex, you know, that we've had a lot of offers to work with companies that we've passed on because it doesn't speak to our uh, values. 
So I mentioned a pet food company. We work with the Honest Kitchen. We've been working with the Honest Kitchen. They had an ad on the RV when we first bought the first RV. They put it. We put an ad for them on the RV. There, they make a a human grade pet food that is dehydrated. So it's like absolutely perfect for for traveling in an RV because a ten pound box turns into forty pounds of food. I reached out to them and said, "This is what we do." I think your product is absolutely perfect. It's what I want to feed my dogs. And so therefore, I'd like to work with you guys. And they were they were in and they've been in for eight years. Our relationship has continued. But we're very careful about that, about who we associate our brand with, because that reflects on you. And you have to remember that when you're out pitching other people, that you have to have your brand in a position that they want to be associated with you as well. So those are those are some of the things that I've tried to do in setting up those kinds of partnerships. Yeah, I mean, you guys have created so much trust, this really valuable resource and approaching these partners with long-term. I think one thing I've seen a lot of people make the mistake of is they're not actually thinking of the opposite company or potential partner when they're trying to position something. They're like, uh, hey, can I get a free RV? Like, no one's going to give you a free RV. Right. Or can, you know... Like thinking about, okay, maybe you do have 50 or 100,000 people on Instagram. Is that going to rationalize handing you over this expensive product for this amount of time and spending this much to plan all of this stuff? Like probably not. Uh, and so I think just yeah. – And you're, what I'm also hearing from you guys is that you, you, you're wrapping up a bunch of potential deliverables. So when you do have those conversations with um, – companies like Winnebago or whatever, you can say, look, here's the seven different ways we can actually work together because companies might be interested in working with you. But if you just say, well, I have this blog or I have this whatever, like a following, that's nice. But unless there's a vehicle, not necessarily literally like an RV, but there's a vehicle <laughs> to work with, you can say like, well, we can put your logo on our rig and we post three photos a month on our Facebook and it's got 200,000 likes and we're going to do this road trip. And you could, you know, like you're basically saying, here's the seven different ways that we can work together. And we also have a big trust and rapport with our audience. And so there's going to be a lot of long-term value and opportunities. Right. And we may not be able to say this is exactly how many eyeballs we're going to get you or this is exactly how it's going to convert into sales for you. But we can say we're here to help with your brand awareness. We, you know, by being associated with Go Pet Friendly, we're going to go out like last year and do all these 17 events. Um, we're going to make sure that everybody who's there knows about you and why we are enthusiastic about your products. Because we only invited people to go along on the road trip that we that I can be enthusiastic when I talk about them. And that's another that's another thing I think that's really important is that if you're working with companies that you actually really, really like, if you're pitching to companies you like, like my dogs are already in all caught collars in the picture in all the pictures that we've been taking. So when I go out and talk to Alcott about their leashes and you know being sponsors of a road trip because we love their leashes and collars, my dogs are already in them. They can go to my Instagram page or my Facebook page and say, yeah, here, here they are. Amy and Rod have been using our stuff. And likely they already probably knew that. Like you guys have probably been tagging them. You've probably <laughs> been commenting on them. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm yeah, just. For sure. But if they're, even if the, you know, even if the CEO wasn't paying attention to what, you know, what we're tagging on Instagram, he can, he or she can go and check it out and say, yeah, I see you guys are using our stuff and yeah, you've got a great following. And yeah, I think, you know, even the product placements 
that you're doing, because Go Pet Friendly is a happy place, it's a place that people want to come visit, we have that advantage of being in a space where there's a lot of happy, good feelings going on, you know? So when people come to Go Pet Friendly and they associate those happy feelings and those the things that they've done with their pets, those happy memories, and then those companies, those brands that we that we work with, they all they, it all gets wrapped up into that, you know, positive vibe. And there's really no way to, I don't know how you would tell people, you know, this is, here's how we're going to be able to get you a thousand new Facebook fans or something like that. But there's not a great way to measure what we're providing all the time. But if I can come to a company and say, like you said, here are seven or eight things that I have the ability to do. Here's my newsletter. Here's my social media platforms. Here's my blog. Here's the RV. Here's this. Here's that. Here's the, I've got a, a litany of things. And then say, now what makes sense for you? How do we, you know, what are your goals? Are your goals to just build brand awareness? Because that's, we can use our social media platforms to do that. Are your goals to convert sales? Because we can put discount offers in our newsletter if that's what your, if that's what your goal is. So you kind of have to understand where they are in their process, what their major goal is, and how then you have to think through how then can you use what you've built to further what they need and make it valuable for them. And then they're willing to pay for that. Yeah. And that's not just true for bloggers or content creators. I mean, what you're talking about is true for literally any type of client relationship that you'll ever have. Exactly. Exactly. It's a very simple premise that applies to everything that you do. Yeah. And just kind of like a a random aside, the one kind of thing that we like to poke fun at is just how many people reach out to RV companies since that's a space we're in and say like, can I get a free rig? You know, I'm I'm a photographer. And it's not to knock that. Like I had that same thought before we started traveling, like, oh, we have this unique story. We're different. And, you know, everyone wants to, you know, be their own beautiful flower. And that's great. And, you know, you are special. But at the end of the day, like these companies get pitched 50 times a day. And we're actually in a quote unquote, free RV for three months. We're partnering up. We're doing a Canadian road trip with Gorvi in Canada and a bunch of other stuff with my software company. And so we, for this specific road trip, even though we have a great relationship with Winnebago, we were in a leisure van and I've been good friends with the company. They have done a lot for my, our software company and all that good stuff. And at the end of the day, like we've spent a lot of time and effort creating value in this community. Um, we've built a relationship with them. You know, I creep on them on social media all the time. They know I exist. There's a trust there. And I don't know, it's like if you do all of those things right and you take a long-term approach and you don't try to overdo it and you're thoughtful of what they need, you know, a lot of these things come easier than you think if you're willing to put in the work. Exactly. You're absolutely right. It's because of what you've been building that you're in that rig. If somebody just cold called leisure and said, hey, you know, I'm going to do a road trip across Canada and I want you to give me a rig to do it in, it goes in the basket with the 400 other, you know, requests that they've had this week for a free RV. We don't have a free RV from, from Winnebago. We have a relationship with Winnebago and they've supported us, but it's not, we're not driving a free RV and we've got, you know, the traffic and the website that we've you know, that we've got and asking our Winnebago for a free RV wouldn't even occur to me because you have to think about it from their perspective. I mean, how are they going to recoup the dollar amount of the value of giving somebody a free RV based on what you're going to be able to provide to them. They need a return on investment. That it, They're running a business. <laughs> it's like they have to make decisions not based on emotional. Maybe they love your story. Maybe they think it's amazing what you're doing, but they can't 
just give you an an RV because they want to be supportive. They they've got to answer to their boss, and their boss has to answer to the shareholders, or you know, who, whatever the situation might be. So it's got to it's got to make sense financially from their perspective as well. Thinking about GoPet friendly, a lot of people when they start some type of website or blog, there's kind of a mixture between, and we've kind of done something similar, uh, where you're creating your, you're just kind of sharing your own story, sharing your own travels, and sometimes there's that fear of when you're starting anything new that you're going to like niche too down in something sp- too specific. Uh, like people said when I started the podcast, they're like, "Wait, RV entrepreneurs? Like, how many people actually do that?" Well, more than you might think. But yeah. for you, was there that fear with GoPet Friendly that the market wasn't big enough, or was that not necessarily a fear there? It really didn't matter to me how big the market was because it was something that I really wanted. I I was building a website that I wanted to use. <laughs> But at that time in 2008, 2009 was really when the pet travel industry started to expand and expand quickly. So our timing was very fortunate in that, you know, people were starting to look at their pets differently, look at them more like family members and want to include them in their in their uh, vacation plans. We had baby boomers who, you know, were their kids were gone and and they were getting pets and they wanted to include their pets in in the things that they were doing. And so it was really, we got fortunate. That was just lucky timing or the universe sent me, you know, Buster right at the right moment. I don't know. But, um, um, but, but mostly it wouldn't, to me, I don't worry about over niching. I mean, if you have a heart condition, you go to a cardiologist, you don't go to a general practitioner and are cardiologists over niche. No, there's lots of people with heart conditions, more than more than enough to keep a, a cardiologist busy. So that's always sort of been my opinion is that I think you have to worry a lot more about being too broad. I mean, if you're too broad, then you then you're in trouble. Because if you're trying to appeal to everybody, then you don't really uh, resonate with anybody. No, absolutely. I I heard a this is kind of like a summation of it, but it was kind of a quote from uh, a blogger that that I follow and he was basically like if people land on your website and can't tell what you stand for and they're just like a eh response then they're not no one's going to stick around like people either need to see what you're about immediately and say like I'm for that or I'm against that and that's a bit of an exaggeration it doesn't always have to be true but you know when people land on your site if they're not interested in traveling or traveling with their pets it's totally not for them but if they are they're like I hit the jackpot Exactly. Exactly. And for those that part of the of the universe, that part of the population that has hit the jackpot, that's why I'm here. That's why I that's why I do what I do because that's there's plenty of people in that market for me to make a living, you know. If I can serve those people, there's plenty of them there for me to to do what I need to do to make a living. Totally. There's a great article called A Thousand True Fans basically just talks about like yep. how many people you actually need to have um, to make a living doing what you're doing. And there's the argument that, you know, a thousand true fans, I'll link up to that in the show notes, but you guys recently wrapped up a 48 state, 15,000 mile road trip, and you released your new book, the ultimate pet friendly road trip. Uh, so before we, before we wrap up, do you want to share a little bit about that? So fellow RVers and road trippers can, can check it out. Yeah, even for people who don't have pets, it was really an amazing uh, road trip because we took the dogs and we visited the number one pet friendly attraction in each of the lower 48 states. So we went, you know, we did the Grand Canyon and we did Acadia, but we also did things like we went 
canoeing on the Buffalo National River. And we went um, to Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. And we went, you know, to Magnolia Plantation in Charleston. So, you know, we did some, we went to Carmel, the Carmel Dog Beach in Carmel, California. So it's things that people would love to do, even if they don't have pets. It's like the the top tier attraction that, but, but places you can also take your pets. And it was it was absolutely an amazing time. It was crazy nuts. I mean, the amount of driving that we did and to try to make sure that we got in every place before, you know, while the weather was still decent. And, yeah. you know, that was that part of it was it was a little crazy. I don't recommend that anybody try to do all 48 states in one year. <laughs> I think you, in the book, we split it up into nine itineraries and break it up so that people can, you know, over their pet's lifetime, do one of these trips a year over their pet's lifetime and see all of the, all of these places. Like a, it's like the ultimate pet bucket list, right? <laughs> to go see all of these places in their lifetime. So it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. And so, and we've gotten some nice feedback. The book is self-published. So there was also uh, that whole learning experience. And, uh, but we've gotten some really nice feedback and the, the book has like 200, over 200 full color pictures in it. So people can really get a feel for what the places are like. We give them tips on times of the year to visit, or if there are certain uh, things that you need to think about given a geographical area, we try to add that information in there. And it's, you know, we actually were, somebody asked me the other day, did you just Photoshop these? <laughs> I said, no, we actually were in each of these places uh, last year with our dogs and there is no Photoshopping being done. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, where's a uh, good place for people to connect and learn more about you guys? So uh, gopetfriendly.com is the, major, the main website. Um, from there, you can click over to the Take Pause blog and then um, you can go to book.gopetfriendly.com if you're interested in uh, checking out the book. Awesome. I love it so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. I can't wait till we cross paths again. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode with Amy from Go Pet Friendly. As always, if you want to check out the show notes, head on over to heathandalyssa.com. And I would love a review from you in iTunes if you never left one. I know you probably heard this on the podcast 20 times. So if you've heard it for the 20th time and you haven't left a review, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it really does make a big difference. We're at 309 reviews as of today, releasing this episode, and I've read all of them, and I'm so grateful for them. And the ones that have been in there that gave criticisms and things like that, I've tried to implement and change and, and try to be better. Uh, I know you can't be everything to all people, but that helps more people find the show. And if you don't want to leave a review, just tell one of your friends that uh, they should come listen to the podcast because word of mouth is everything. Thank you guys so much for listening to the RB Entrepreneur Podcast, and I'll see you all next time.